Welcome to Cookbook, where I, Rosemary Cottle, go through my whole cookbook collection. This week's book is going to be Recipes to Remember, More Kroger Favorite. Now, you may have like a local grocery store in your area. And in my area, that local grocery store is Kroger. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Kroger, let me put it into simpler terms. It would be your oldies, your Ralphs, your Trader Joes, your Walmart if you do shop there for food. We have a Kroger and a Walmart, by the way, but Kroger is our main grocery store in my area. So, I am highly familiar with Kroger. My grandparents go there every week to get groceries. Why? Because food. Because we need food to survive. But y'all already know that. Let's look at the cover of this wonderful book, shall we? So this book has a bunch of fruit and stuff as a cover. And in the background it says cherry, blueberry, pear, plum. Like, but don't get it confused. They do have more fruit recipes. They do have fruit recipes for sure. But, that's not all they have in this book. I don't know why they have an emphasis on the fruit. I guess Kroger has 10 out of 10 produce. I don't know. But, that's the cover. Now, let's get into the introduction of the book. It's an expression of appreciation. Our organization wishes to express our sincere appreciation and thanks to all those individuals who donated recipes, placed an ad, bought a book, or in any other way contributed to the publication of this wonderful cookbook. It is because of you that we are able to, once again, come together and build a stronger, more caring community. So... Kroger came in clutch. Kroger was like, y'all, I appreciate you. I appreciate the patrons that have this book. I appreciate those who placed an ad, who donated the recipes. Now that, that's the kind of intro I'm looking for. The intro that thanks the reader for reading it. It makes me feel blessed in the presence of this book. Oh my god. Next page, it talks about the Habitat for Humanity in Lexington, Kentucky. Just to be clear, I don't live in Lexington. But the Habitat for Humanity, they do have a mission statement. Habitat for Humanity works in partnership with God and people everywhere. From all walks of life to develop communities with God's people in need by building and renovating houses so that there are decent communities in which God's people can live and grow into what God intended. There's a lot of God talk. I'm sorry if you're not super religious, but we're in Kentucky. It's the Bible Belt. You, you expect stuff like this all the time. 
the sentiment is there. It, I appreciate a foundation that gives the people in need. And the Habitat for Humanity is basically building and renovating houses for people who are in need. So we could always appreciate that, whether you are a believer or not. <clears throat> The next page says, Our Kroger team is dedicated to making our communities better places for all of our families. Our past Habitat project was one of the most rewarding experiences that we have been involved in. We look forward to the opportunity to build again in 2003 and invite each of you to join us in raising your hammers to help make a difference in someone's life. Now, this aged the book pretty quick. Because it says in 2003. And for those of you who are in the future, like you and me, we know that 2003 passed. So I assume that this book was published in 2002, the year before, because it says we look forward to the opportunity to build again in 2003. So that would put the timeline on 2002. I don't know when in 2002, but it came out in 2002. Now we are finally on the table of contents. So that's the pleasantries over with. Table of contents. These are our cold hard facts of what's in this book. We got appetizers and beverages, soups, salads, vegetables, main dishes, breads, rolls, desserts, and a miscellaneous chapter. Speaking of miscellaneous, there is a part of the book that I want to look at here. I'm gonna try to flip to it. They put it after the index, which I found pretty odd. Because usually with the index, there's nothing else in, there's nothing else in the book. Nothing else. Once you reach the index of the book, that's the end of the book. Like, done. Finito. End of book. But this book is an exception. So this book has some tips on the back of it regarding nutrition stuff. This section focuses on lowering fat content in your diet. It has a food... It, it shows a table. It has a food category and choose what to use instead, and to decrease the amount of fat. And it tells you what to decrease. And no joke, they have a part in this book called Fat Fats. F-A-T-F-A-C-T-S. And it's basically facts about fat. And then on the next page, it talks about how to calculate fat percentage. And then on the next page, it discusses recipe substitutions, which would reduce total fat, saturated fat, and cholesterol. Then you have food labeling definitions. Basically, government regulations give specific guidelines as to what words can be used on a food label to describe a product. We've seen them before. Moving on. 
Then it talks about sodium, facts about sodium and sodium intake. Next page shows a low-sodium seasoning suggestions table. They show a food and then talk about what low-sodium spices and herbs pair well with the food. For example, for beef, they said it's that allspice, ginger, dry mustard, sage, and tarragon is good for beef. That's just an example. And they also have a recipe for a low-sodium spice blend. And here is what it is. One tablespoon of dried mustard, one teaspoon of garlic powder, one and a half tablespoons of onion powder, half tablespoon of ground pepper, half tablespoon of crushed thyme, one teaspoon of sage, half teaspoon of marjoram crushed, one tablespoon of paprika, half teaspoon of crushed basil, and half teaspoon of ground oregano. So if y'all are on the DASH diet, but you still want flavor in your food, you can try to spice blend. Let me know how that goes. Okay, next page. Food safety guidelines. Yes, food safety guidelines. Always important so you don't get sued by your neighbors for making an awful meal. <laughs> I'm kidding, I kid. But it's, a, it, it's important. It's important for sure. Because you don't want to poison your guests. At least I hope not. Then they have basic guidelines for losing weight. And then understanding the Nutrition Fats food label. Then they have a picture of the food pyramid. Y'all, the food pyramid is irrelevant now. Back then, that used to be the huge thing of how we portion our meals throughout the day. Now they use stuff like my plate because the food pyramid became archaic and outdated. So you got things like my plate, which I don't know if that's still a thing or not. It might be. It might be. And that's the end of the book after that. But that's not all, because you know what we do in this show. We highlight a few recipes from the cookbook. Up next are the recipe highlights. And I'll be right back with that. Nice. The moment you've all been waiting for. Recipe highlights, y'all. The first recipe highlight is pierogi dough. Yes, pierogi dough. Not the pierogi, pierogi dough. Just, just keep in mind. Here's what you'll need. You'll need one cup of sour cream, two eggs, two to two and a half cups of flour, one teaspoon of ba baking powder, and one teaspoon of salt. Y'all, you know what this means? It's instruction time! Beat sour cream and eggs well. Add one cup of flour and mix well. 
Add remaining flour to make a soft dough. Roll out the dough. Cut in rounds. Now you fill with your favorite filling. Cook five to 10 minutes in boiling water. Saute onions and butter if desired, or just pour melted butter over the drained pierogi. And this recipe was made by Terry DeWitt from Heartland. Y'all, pierogies, man. I've heard great things about them, but I never had a dang pierogi that I know of. Dumplings, yes. Pierogies, I think pierogies are Italian dumplings. So technically, yes, I've had it, but not like the authentic Italian way of having it, you know? You feel me? But now let's move on to the next recipe, the next highlight recipe on page 29. Let's go. I remember this dish really well from my dad because he used to fix this all the time for any family gathering or cookout or what have you. The seven layer salad. My dad is known as a good cook in my family. The man could cook with the best of them. And he has learned to cook by himself and also with the help of my grandmother, rest her soul. She was a wonderful woman. She taught my dad how to cook because she used to be a caterer. And she used to work at a lot of diners and restaurants. So my dad learned from the best, in my opinion. Again, shout out to my dad. I think this is going to become a running joke in this podcast. Shout out to my dad. Love the guy. Love him. Anyway. Here's the recipe for seven layer salad. I think this might be the similar recipe that he has used. His might have some alter alternative stuff into it. But in this book, here's how the recipe for seven-layer salad goes. You'll need lettuce or spinach. They advise not to combine the two for some odd reason. One green pepper chopped. One and a half cups of celery chopped. One medium cucumber chopped. One medium onion chopped. A 10-ounce package of frozen peas defrosted and drained, one and one-fourth cups of mayonnaise, one cup of shredded Swiss cheese, and six slices of bacon cooked and crumbled. Y'all, it's instruction time, my dudes. All right. In an oblong dish, layer the ingredients in the following order. Lettuce, celery, cucumber, onion, and peas. Very gently spread the surface with the mayonnaise. You may use more than the recipe calls for if necessary. 
scattered a Swiss cheese and bacon on top of the mayo. Cover tightly with plastic wrap and refrigerate for 12 to 24 hours. This recipe was made by Gary Lindsay of the Regency Center. So, the next highlight is salmon patties. Oh, salmon patties. And that is on page 75. This is a favorite of mine. <laughs> this is a favorite of mine, and I would say a favorite of my mom's. Because my mom, before she learned how to cook, shout out to her friend Mary. Sup, Mary? Girl, I am so glad you taught mom how to cook because she needed it. <laughs> but this was before my mom knew how to cook. So, salmon patties. My mom would make this all the time. As a struggle meal. We've all been there. And I loved it. She loved it. My sister and brother would eat something else because they didn't like fish that much. Especially my sister. Shout out to my sister and brother. What's up, you two? Anyway, for salmon patties, I've had memories with them. I would dip them in mustard. Sometimes I would eat it in a sandwich. You can't stop me from having a salmon patty. Talking about it makes me crave it. Anyway, what you'll need for this recipe are one can of salmon, one green bell pepper cut into small pieces, one medium onion diced, two large eggs, three-fourths cups of either breadcrumbs or cornmeal. I think my mom used flour, so I think that works too. And salt and pepper to taste. So, here's what you do. Okay, okay. You mix one can of salmon in a bowl with green peppers, eggs, onions, and either breadcrumbs or cornmeal. So, you just stir it all together in a bowl. It's kind of like making a fishy meatball. Form into patties. Coat skillet with vegetable oil and preheat on medium. And fry patties on both sides until done. And this recipe of salmon patties is made by Laconi Saunders from Euclid Avenue. Honey! You can't, you can't, you can't take me away from the salmon patties. You just cannot. I just can't resist. And I still crave them to this day. Mom, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> please make some salmon patties and bring them to me the next time you go to Kentucky. Please, Mom. <laughs> I love you. On page 126, we got breakfast burritos. Now, this holds a special place in my heart <laughs> because I am not a huge breakfast fan. Shocker, I know. I'm not a huge breakfast food fan. But I don't like skipping meals. 
I'm chubby. If you've seen me, you know why. <laughs> I've never skipped a meal in my life. And breakfast burritos helped me fill my tummy at breakfast time. And I don't know. It's just something about everything being wrapped in a warm tortilla that gets me, you know. I, I, I don't like eggs and bacon all strewn out on a plate like that, you know. I have to put it in a burrito. It's just neater to me. You can hold it in your hands. It's finger food. You can eat it easily. And, honey, you'll be full until supper time, if needed. And I get a food baby sometimes. Food baby. It's my child. <laughs> okay, enough rambling. Let's get on to... The ingredients and the instructions. You'll need four eggs, ten slices of bacon, shredded cheese, tortilla shells, salt and pepper to taste, and four green onions chopped. And this would make up to three to four burritos. And I also like burritos when they're frozen and then reheated. I like the El Monterey breakfast burritos, like y'all. That's the OG breakfast burrito. No, no, no. The OG breakfast burrito is McDonald's. Every time I go to McDonald's for breakfast food, breakfast burrito is my first choice. It has always been my first choice ever since I was the kid. It was the OG. It, if you knew me, breakfast burrito. And when it's lunch and dinner time, fish filet. What she order? Fish filet. That's right. Anyway, it's instruction time. I just ramble, oh my god. Scramble the eggs, add salt and pepper to the eggs, fry the bacon separately. Heat tortilla shells in the microwave for about 15 seconds each. Y'all, it's better when you pan fry it. It's better when you pan fry it. it, it I, it's a textural thing to me. But anyway. Place eggs, bacon, onion, and cheese in the center of each shell. Roll up, and you can also substitute sausage, ham, whatever, your favorite toppings, whatever. And it makes three to four burritos. Okay, favorite breakfast burrito toppings for me is more cheese. <laughs> Y'all know. Y'all know. I am the cheese queen, okay? I am the carb queen. I am the cheese queen. Put them all together. Is a good meal. Just saying. And also, I like the mild sauce that they sell for the breakfast burritos at McDonald's. I think it's some sort of picante sauce. Picante. Pretty good. I get the mild, though. I don't like that spice. I don't like too much spice. And if I don't have that, I would dip it in ketchup. 
Yes, I am that type of person. When it comes to breakfast items, I dip it a lot in ketchup. Sometimes ketchup and mustard. But that's me, and we all know that I'm weird. Okay. Next highlight recipe. Now, on page 177, we got a delicious concoction known as Dirty Pudding. Now, don't let the name fool you. This stuff is delicious. This is basically crack. <laughs> this is crack to me. Because it has Oreos for one thing. But it also has another thing that I love. Pudding. I love pudding. One of my favorite desserts are pudding. I love pudding, brownies, cookies. That's me. And also chocolate pie. Love me some chocolate pie. And that's the only kind of pie that I would eat other than like... I would say if someone made like a banana pudding pie, I will probably eat that. But dirt pudding, that this that's another memory of mine. I I would have thought it was a fever dream because it's been so long since I've had dirt pudding. My dad used to fix it a lot for dessert when we were kids, like when all of us siblings were kids. And we would get seconds, we would get thirds on that man. Like Sometimes we ended up not saving any for our dad. <laughs> and my dad would make this pudding all the time. Like, we couldn't get enough of it. But I don't know if he uses this recipe in particular. But my guess is he probably used a recipe similar to this. So here is a recipe for dirt pudding. Here we go. You'll need 20 ounces of Oreos, two small packages of French vanilla instant pudding, one package of cream cheese, three cups of milk, one stick of butter, one cup of sugar, and a 12 ounce container of Cool Whip. Here is what you do. It's instruction time. Crush Oreos fine. Mix pudding and milk together, then set aside. Soften cream cheese and then mix all other ingredients together. Add everything together except Oreos. Spread one layer of Oreos in a 9 by 13 inch pan. Pour half of the mixture over Oreos. Then add the rest of the Oreos except a handful. Add the rest of the mixture. Top with a few remaining Oreos. This recipe was made by Tina R. McLean from Tate's Creek. So good. So good. So good. Tastes like candy. I can feel it when you walk 
Even when you talk, it takes over me. Just like candy. Okay. Anyway, y'all got you all caught me in a moment. Okay. All right. Now the next highlight recipe is going to be Kentucky chocolate pie. Now, y'all, y'all think that Kentucky's known for bourbon and horses, but let me tell you. We're also known for our chocolate pies. I'm just saying. I'm, I, I don't know exactly, but I think that we are. Like, grasshopper pie, chocolate pie. Like, a lot of people in Kentucky fixed that. So here are the ingredients for Kentucky chocolate pie. What you'll need are three tablespoons of cocoa, I would assume cocoa powder, a fourth cup of flour, three egg yolks, one cup of sugar, two cups of milk, eighth teaspoon of salt, one and a half teaspoons of vanilla, and one and a half tablespoons of butter. And you know, what it, what, what's it time for? Oh yeah, it's instruction time. Buckle up. Mix cocoa, flour, sugar, and salt. Pour enough milk to make paste. Add egg yolks, beating well. Add the rest of milk and cook over medium heat until thick. Add vanilla and butter and beat until smooth. Pour into a baked pie shell and top with meringue, honey. Meringue. Honestly, I could eat it without the meringue. That's just me. But if y'all are into the meringue life, chocolate pie, meringue, you can't beat a combination like that. Name a better duo, I'll wait. Yeah, I know you're y'all gonna say peanut butter and chocolate or mint and chocolate, but meringue and chocolate is being slept on. Okay? It's being slept on. You don't understand. Sorry, got a bit heated there. I I, I take I take chocolate very seriously. <laughs> you can ask my family, like our main food groups are cheese, gravy, and chocolate. That is like a family joke. <laughs> anyway. Now we're on page 216 for the world's best chocolate chip cookies. Julie Slusher, girl, that is a huge claim. That is a huge claim. The guts on this woman. <laughs> the guts. Oh my lord. I I am I am just laughing right in, in my head. So here are the ingredients for the world's best chocolate chip cookies, apparently. Let's look. One and a half cups of finely crushed graham cracker crumbs. Okay, weird start, weird start. A half cup of all-purpose flour. Two teaspoons of baking powder. 
a 14 ounce can of Eagle brand milk. It's basically sweetened condensed milk. Just get sweetened condensed milk. Half cup of margarine slash butter. One can of flaked coconut? Hold up now. Hold up now. Chocolate chip cookies with coconut in it? I, uh, uh, nope. See, see, you had me, Julie, and then you lost me. You had me with the graham crackers, and you lost me at the coconut. I, I hate coconut. I hate the taste of coconut. I hate the texture of coconut. I hate everything about coconut. And this is coming from a person who would eat pretty much anything. I can't. I can't with coconut. My brother, my grandmother, and my grandfather can eat it, but I cannot. Ugh, I refuse. I refuse. I tried it, didn't like it. Yuck. But I would omit I would omit the coconut from this recipe. That's just me. Twelve ounces of chocolate chips. Okay, okay, you have me again. You have me again, Julie. And one cup of chopped walnuts. Okay, adds a bit of crunch to it. I see you. I see you, Julie. Now, <laughs> instruction time. Here we go. Preheat oven to 375 degrees. In a bowl, mix graham cracker crumbs, flour, and baking powder. In a separate bowl, beat sweetened condensed milk and margarine until smooth. Add crumb mixture. S mix well. Stirring coconut, ew. Chocolate chips and walnuts. Drop by tablespoons or a lightly greased cookie sheet. Bake 10 minutes or until lightly brown. Cool two to three minutes before removing from cookie sheet. Again, I would probably do all these steps and uh, I would do all these steps except mixing the coconut in. That's just me. That's just me, y'all. Anyway. Those are the highlight recipes of recipes to remember more Kroger favorites. I cannot with the coconut still. Still trying to get over that. So next week's book is going to be Better Homes and Gardens Complete Step-by-Step -step Cookbook. Thank you all for listening. And that's the end of the podcast. So, moving on to the uh, 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 outro. Roll it! Want to show your cooking skills? Want me to look at what cookbooks interest you? Want to chat? Or you just want to be updated on the podcast? Search and follow the podcast on Facebook it is called Cook Look Podcast, or you can click the link on my Facebook page in the show notes. Or email me at cooklookpod at gmail.com. That is C-O-O-K-L-O-O-K 
P-O-D at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter as Rosemary Coddle. My username is at cookwookpod. Also, I post episodes every single Friday at 6 Eastern. Thank you for listening. Bye!